Hi friends, I am back with a new episode tonight with my friend Rebecca, who is a member of the LGBTQ community and she just talks about some of her experiences and really shines a light on things that aren't talked about a lot and brings a lot of awareness to things that I think people need to be aware of. So I hope that you listen uh, with an open heart and that you take something away from this episode, that you learn something maybe, and I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Okay, so I'm talking to my friend Rebecca today, and we met many moons ago. I think I st- we worked together at a place that shall not be named. <laughs> and I started there in 2008, I believe, because I was there until 2014. So it's been a very long time. <laughs> and we are both just dog lovers. And so, I mean, that's an instant connector for people, I think. But we are going to talk about the LGBTQ community today and you, Rebecca, being a part of that community and just kind of your experience and uh, just kind of get some more knowledge out there for people who maybe don't know anyone in that community, which I find kind of hard to believe at this day and age. But I know there are people like that. You would be surprised. Yeah. No, I I know. People have no experience with the community at all whatsoever. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I believe it. I mean, I've talked on the podcast about growing up super um, religious and conservative. And so I always tell people that, you know, in my childhood was ingrained uh, love the person, hate the sin. And so that's it's easier to not think of someone as a person when you're thinking like that, which is horrible. I'm not saying it's great. Um, And I honestly tell people that the thing that changed it for me was glee, which sounds so silly, but it is. And it was like, I would cry every time something happened to that poor Kirk boy. Like, you just, like, <laughs> it was the first, I don't know. You just, it was presented in a way that it hadn't been presented to me before, I guess. Right. So, and I think that's really that's good about, like, what we're seeing what we're more seeing. on TV is they're not just showing, like, everybody's stereotypical thought of what a gay person or a yeah. person is. They're starting to show more about you know, the struggles that they go through, like Will and Grace has been great for that. And, um, you know, Orange is the New Black with Laverne Cox. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes that's people's first experience, but there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes of being part of that community that I think that even, like I said, you know, people that are close to me didn't know that I had experienced. So. And so. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, do you want to share a little bit about what your coming out experience was like? Sure. Um, so I think I knew, like, from probably seven years of age that there was something different about me. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but, like, I always felt more comfortable with my female friends like there was a different comfort from being with them than my guy friend which is funny because like in high school all of my friends were guys but I think it just made it easier for me because um I kind of wasn't sure what was going on with me so then by the time I got to high school pretty sure I knew But I had 
a male friend in high school who was very obviously gay, even though he had not come out. Mm-hmm. But I watched his experience in high school and how people people treated him. Mm-hmm. And I was not willing to put myself through that uh, at that time. I grew up in a very small town. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the only gay person I knew. So <laughs> I didn't know any women. So right. that was different. His experience was different than my experience because he's a man. Right. A woman, so it was very different. So... I didn't actually come out until I was in college because I met other lesbians and it made it easier for me to accept what was going on. And I knew that there were other people like me. Mm -hmm. So um, I really did not come out until I was 18 or 19. But uh, that being said, so I came out to my mom who was fantastic. And I know a lot of people don't have that experience, but my mom was awesome about it. She was just like, okay, like, just don't tell your grandma yet. Like, (laughs) so, you know, like, she's always been a huge supporter of myself and any of my friends that are part of the community and just been outstanding. Um, Told my dad, a little bit different experience. Um... He, at the time, was part of the Episcopal Church. Okay. And so that kind of put a little bit of strain on things. He's like, I want to be supportive and I love you, but the church tells me that it's wrong. Do you think you could just, like, not do that? You know? And so... Oh, dear. You know, we kind of had a struggle for a little while, but he's definitely come a long way with that. So that wasn't... It wasn't as horrible as it could have been. I took him to a public place to tell him so that he couldn't yell at me. There you go. So, you know, I mean, safety and numbers, even if those people weren't with me. Right. There, so he couldn't throw a fit. But um, I think, like, because when I came out, it was 1996. So it was still really early into, like... People still didn't know for sure if Melissa Etheridge was gay. Ellen was just coming out. Uh Like, you know, it's not like it is now where everybody's open. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people are open and honest. And so it was really hard. So that was like a big deal when you told Mm -hmm. somebody that you were gay. Like, it was like this, I have to tell you something about me. Mm -hmm. And so... The hardest parts of coming out really was like the people around me because I was okay with me for the most part. Um, But I also worried about my friends who were okay with me because we had several times where like I had people threaten my friends because they were friends with me. Oh my God. Uh, you know, like, threatened to beat them up or destroy their property. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I had, when we lived in Great Bend, my girlfriend and I um, lived in an apartment where the neighbor that lived across from us, every time we would come out our door, they would turn around with their backs to us and would not look at us and we would hear them loudly tell their children 
not to touch the handrail on the stairs because they would get AIDS from us. <gasps> so oh God. that was really difficult. Um, and I always feared for my friend. Like I was always more worried about my friends than I was about myself because I didn't want them to get hurt or yeah. have anything happen to them because they were with me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was fired from a job because what? would come to visit her on her lunch break and her boss did not want me around. Oh so they came up with reasons to get rid of my mother because or the she was a, a paraprofessional, so she worked with, um, you know, challenged kids, and that teacher did not want me around, so she figured out a way to get rid of her. Oh my god! So you know, and those were the kinds of things like that I tried to share with people more often now, because mm-hmm. I don't think that they realize that those things happen. It's kind of like well, I've never seen it happen, so therefore it must not happen. Right. It's like you get in your bubble. It's the same. It's like you hear it a lot with racism where people are like, oh, people aren't racist, but it's like all your friends are white or all your friends are one race, so you don't, you're not around it. Right. If you don't experience it yourself, you may not even realize that it's happening. Mm -hmm. So like, a lot of people that were very close to me did not know that any of those things happened to me. Like, I mean, I've had people walk up to me and call me names. I've had, and it doesn't happen as much anymore, but like there was a time when I had to be worried about losing my job. If anybody found out and I would have to sit at work and listen to my coworkers Talk about how disgusting gay people were. This makes you want to cry. (laughs) It's hard. And it's hard for me when I think about it now, too, that I actually endured that and came out the other side. Because, you know, it's like you couldn't. There was a time when I could not share any part of my personal life with anybody outside of my bubble because it was scary. Mm -hmm. So when stuff like you know, you know, they found that that trans person that had been killed and left on the front step of an abandoned house, like things like that are really scary to me because I remember what it was like. And I'm not even old enough to like fully grasp what happened to Matthew Shepard. Yeah. And, and I mean, for those people who aren't familiar with it, he was beaten and tied to a fence and left mm-hmm. to die because mm-hmm. he was You know, so that when things like that start happening again and we start seeing that people are freely expressing their dislike, and that's putting it nicely, (laughs) for people who are different from them, those old feelings start coming up and it becomes kind of scary. And I know that my experience was tame compared to what has happened to some other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't speak for other people's experience, but I've, I have, um, you know, talked with people who, uh, a girl that when she was in high school, um, boys would wait for her after school and beat her up every day. Um, her friend who was supposedly her best friend 
took pages out of Playboy and glued them all over her car. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. I mean, just things like that. And I know Chris has experienced the same kinds of things. So, you know, people need to understand that a lot of times when we're speaking out about, you know, people being more forward about their distaste, that it's coming somewhat from a place of fear. Right. That we, that you don't want that to start happening again. Mm -hmm. Because now, like, when I apply for a job, I pretty much say, hey, I'm married to a woman, just so you know. Because I got, I'm to a point now where I feel like I can't not talk about it. And I don't want to work there if they don't want me there. Right. No, that definitely makes sense. (laughs) I don't want to go through that again. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that if more of us start sharing our experiences about things that have happened, more people can understand what it's like to go through those things. Because everybody has their own story and you don't have to be gay or a person of color or anything to have those kinds of stories. But I feel like we all need to share our experiences of when things like that happen, no matter if it has to do with race or being transgendered or gay or lesbian or, you know, anything that we can all start to understand each other better Mm -hmm. and where we're coming from. Well, and I think when you peel it back and you just look at it as all these things happen to you because of a person you've chosen to love, like a person you love, it's like, it just doesn't make sense when you strip it down to what it actually is. And so it's just, it's very disheartening. It breaks my heart. It's very sad. And, but... On a happier note, you are married to Chris. Wait, I am. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit, for a minute? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's kind of a fun story because we'd been together. Okay, so in November, we'll have been together 13 years. Oh, wow. Uh, we've been married now for four years mm-hmm. um, because before that, we couldn't be married. Right. So... The great thing is, though, we got married June 20th of 2015, mm-hmm. and the federal marriage law passed the Friday after we got married. Oh, my goodness. So we had our ceremony just to say that, like, we couldn't actually by law be married, but we went ahead and had our ceremony because we'd been together like, you know, 12 years, like it was time and we wanted to have a wedding. And so we were like, screw it. We can't wait forever. So we'll just, you know, have a ceremony and we'll invite our friends and it'll be great. So Mm -hmm. while we were on our honeymoon, we actually, that's when they passed the the federal marriage law. Mm -hmm. So our marriage license says that we got married July 20th. Aww. Um, but we actually got married in June. So, but the person who married us was an ordained minister, even though it wasn't at the time legal, but so she Mm -hmm. could sign our marriage certificate for us. So she just post-dated it for the 20th so that it would actually be legal. There you go. And uh, it was kind of, it was kind of nerve wracking when we went to get our marriage license. Cause I was like, are they actually going to give it to us? Like, right. Because so I had to go you, to the courthouse, so. 
And you got married in Missouri, right? Yes, we did. So, and, um, but we got married in Buchanan County, which is St. Joseph. So we had to go to the Buchanan County courthouse to get the license. And I was like, I'm afraid they're not going to give it to us. Like, that's like a smaller town. Yeah. Like, what if they say no? (laughs) Like, then what are we going to do? But they didn't. Well, that's good. The gal was at the counter, didn't even bat an eye. So that was really, Mm -hmm. really cool. A good experience. So, yeah. Yes. That's good. So what, where did you guys meet? Um, (laughs) we had a mutual friend I did in 2004. I was in the chorus of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, you love Rocky Horror Picture Show. I do love it. (laughs) And so her friend, um, was Columbia. And she had come to see Julie perform. And we met. And that was when we first met. And so at the time, like, we just met. And we're like, hey, that's cool, whatever. Well, then, like, a couple months later, we actually, I invited her to a party. And that's when we pretty much started dating. Like, we had that typical, like, (laughs) that typical... In the beginning, our relationship was very typically lesbian. Like, we went on one date, and then we were dating forever. But <laughs> but we actually made it five years before we moved in together, which is oh, wow. atypical for women. Because usually we like to nest. Mm-hmm. So we like to... So when you have, you know, you have a guy and a girl, like... Sometimes that process takes a little bit longer. But when you have two women, like, you want to nest within the first two weeks. Oh, So that was very different (laughs) this time. Yeah. We waited five years before we actually lived together. So that was, that was good. That's good. Have you guys experienced, what have your experiences been like out in public together? Like, have you always been, like, holding hands or... We do most of the time. I feel more conscious of it and more aware when we have, like, my mother with me. Because I worry that somebody is going to say something or do something. Oh, yeah. When I have my mom with me. Because it's a protection thing. It comes back to that protecting my friends, protecting my family, because I don't want anything to happen to them because of me. Um, it doesn't happen very often because, and we forget that things like that do happen. In fact, uh, a couple years ago, we were at the Lewisburg Cider Festival Mm -hmm. and it was Chris and I and my mom. And we really, I, I, I don't think we were being affectionate, but we were standing together in line to get some cider donuts. Mm-hmm. And this lady and her daughter, niece, someone that was younger, were standing in front of us. And I, it got quiet and I started listening to what they were saying. Oh, no. And they were talking about how they were horrified that those people were able to get married now and how everything was being destroyed and... You know, how they just didn't like it. And 
I'm listening, and then my mom notices that I'm listening, and she starts in with the, what What are they saying? What are they saying? And I'm like, Mom, calm down. It's okay. And she's like, no, they can't say that. And I'm like, I just want cider donuts. So <laughs> let's just remain calm. But, I mean, she gets she gets pretty heated. Yeah, about you heard her baby. And we hadn't had it happen in a long time, so I was almost really like, surprised because it hadn't happened in so long yeah but you know we have to think about things like that when we plan a vacation we have to be aware of where we're going and what we're going to do while we're there and we don't really we're not very affectionate with each other when we're on vacation because like if we like New York we didn't we don't worry about like we went to New York we didn't worry about there we didn't worry about in Key West as much um because that whole island is gay and um you know in los angeles yeah really a big deal but like you know we were talking about wanting to go hiking in tennessee or you know do different things and we're and chris and i were both kind of like well i don't know because you just don't know like how people are yeah no we about those things when we were just in Oklahoma um we went to the botanical garden there um and it was just us and then this these two older gentlemen and I you know you don't know just looking at people and then we're walking through and the one put his arm around the other one and was rubbing his back and I just was like I'm glad that they feel like they I mean Scott and I are younger so maybe that's why they were like felt comfortable to do that but that's literally I mean it's Oklahoma it's not like we saw any other same-sex couples (laughs) out at all I know one couple in Tulsa oh there you go Uh, but yeah it was just kind of I just kind of looked at them it was just kind of like a you know I was glad that they felt fine to do that there I guess and I thought it would they were cute like I don't know it was just like a moment where you just kind of notice when you're not seeing something, I guess. When, yeah. <laughs> when we're in Oklahoma, Scott and I are always like, you know, we'll mention that we haven't seen certain things there. <laughs> so it was a sweet, it was a sweet little moment in the botanical garden. And we went on a Tuesday morning. So it was like literally, you know, maybe they planned it that way. Like it was like the deadest time. It was them and us. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, straight couples don't have to think about that yeah so you know like they you just don't have to think about it mm-hmm. and i think about it a lot every time we're standing in line at the store or whatever and we're standing just a little bit closer than we usually do i think about it because i don't want trouble you know so it makes it hard. I mean, it's a lot better than it used to be. A lot. Yeah. But, I mean, because there was a time when you just did your best to be invisible mm-hmm. when you were out in public so that people wouldn't know. And I think there's still some of that depending on where you live, too. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it's, like I said, in places like L.A. and New York, like, mm-hmm. it's fairly common and people are weird so most people don't notice because there are 
people who are weirder than you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, walking down the street in their Spider-Man costume or whatever. So um, they don't really notice you as much. But, like, back home, when I first came out, like, that was a big deal. Like, everybody was talking about it. Like, oh, my God, there's the house where the lesbian lives. Oh, my God. Well, and it's just so crazy that you have to think about all these things you're taking, all these extra precautions, just because you love Chris, like, and she loves you. Like, it's just, when you strip it down, like, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I, I guess part of me, like, because of how it was raised, like, I understand there are those people who still feel like that because that used to be me for so many years of my life. But it's just like in this day and age, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, well, I'm thankful that I like got into the world and met different people, and I just, it's like I don't know where that. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to like breach like the barrier to the other side of people to like. I feel like the people who feel so strongly against it are always going to feel that way and it's so stressful and I'm not even gay like yeah, I can't imagine because you just want to be like dude I'm a person like I, I am yes. no different than you and I think that's um how I got through my to my dad yeah. because he started in with the you know my religion doesn't allow me to be okay with this and blah, 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 blah. I'm like dad really like I just find it hard to believe that in a world where children are starving and people are dying in war and all these things, that God has enough time to really think about what I'm doing at home behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, he's got other things to worry about. That Jesus loved everyone. Right. I think which is lost on people right now, too, in the current state of the world. (laughs) Luckily, my dad was open-minded enough to, like, try to experience my life. So he, I introduced him to drag, and he's in love with the art. Like, that's his thing now. He wants to go to drag shows all the time. So, so, you know, like, he, he's trying. Mm-hmm. He's trying. Well, do you want to touch on um, a little bit of how the current political climate has affected you in your life? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, things are... I don't know. Like, my even my whole... My family has been greatly affected by it because I have... I have one cousin who is very liberal and very, um, like, she's just really open-minded about everything. And then her brothers, my other three cousins, her brothers, they are those, those people who are, I mean, they're pro, they're pro gun. They're mm-hmm. pro say whatever you feel, <laughs> whenever you feel like saying it. And that's really put a, a, a divider in our family because they've basically said, well, racism doesn't exist. You know, um, they've been known to say, 
I know at least one black person who voted for Trump. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, and they basically have told us, myself and Jolyn, that, well, we know that you may have experienced this stuff, but that doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't happen. Like, you know. How does that Jolyn, even make sense? <laughs> Jolyn saying, Jolyn, my cousin, is saying, you know, I've been with my friends who are people of color who have been pulled over in their car while they were driving, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And her brothers will say, oh, well, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> there's no, there's it's no, just like, people aren't racist. People yeah. don't say things like that. So, you know, and it's been this whole like back and forth of, you know, you're making this up. These things don't really happen. So I think, I don't know. I mean, things have been a little bit more scary because like I said, I feel like people are more emboldened to just say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. been personally confronted recently, mm-hmm. but I know of people who have in you know, like, especially like what with, and it's been scary. So like I, we, Chris and I don't really go out a whole lot, but like when the shooting at Pulse happened, like that was really, really scary to me. Like that someone could destroy that many lives that fast. And I, and you know, it's, it's happened to other people too in other places, but when you know for sure that it was specifically targeted. I mean, right. he, he was going to get a large part of our community there. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't, you can go into a public place and start shooting, but you don't know much about those people. Right. Yeah. But when you go into a nightclub that's specifically for the LBGTQ community, you know who you're going after. Right. Yeah. That that was super scary. I just feel like at this point in time, you know, people are getting more and more comfortable with saying that they don't like something and that's just how it is. Yeah. I think there's as many people as there are that are more open and accepting. I don't know that they're as loud as the people who aren't open and accepting exactly and so you know it i think by doing like what you do where you're doing podcasts and you're sharing information between groups of people like i think that's helping and i think that that it's allowing more people to talk about things that maybe they didn't I know they've helped me by listening to you talk about things that I don't necessarily want to talk about, but it helps to know that someone else has been through that. Yeah. I just care about important things. I feel like I just needed to, like, get it out. You know yeah. I mean? And um, I think it's great. Like, yeah. I mean, it's been very therapeutic for me today to just talk about those things out loud because... We don't talk about it very often. Right. Like you go through it and then you just don't talk about it because it was uncomfortable. 
and you don't necessarily want to talk to go through it again by talking about it. Right. And I know when we had talked about you doing the podcast a couple weeks ago, you had mentioned um, like the higher suicide rates among the LGBTQ community. And that's something I don't think is like ever (laughs) talked about. I think people maybe know or have an idea that it's a high rate, but I don't think that anyone sits with it. No, they don't sit with it. And I mean, looking back now, like I realize like, I think that's where a lot of my anxiety started was being so hyper conscious of everything around me. Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, and how depressed I was. And, you know, that's a whole other topic, depression and anxiety. And I know that right. you've dealt with it, but like to have this thing about yourself that you absolutely cannot change and you don't know where to go with it can be so heavy. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, like, like I said, I didn't come out till I was 18. So I felt like I was a little bit more like my brain was developed a little more than right. say someone who's trying to come out when they're some, I mean, I know there are kids now that are, have been out to their parents at like 12 and 13 years old, mm-hmm. but how does somebody deal with that at, in sixth grade? Right. Like most people are worried about starting their periods, which seems minor <laughs> compared <laughs> to going through something like that, where you're so different from everybody else, knowing that at such a young age. Like, mm-hmm. I knew it, but I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to communicate it or how to talk about it. And I think that's something that would be helpful to our community is, like, providing younger people with the opportunity to get counseling and to talk to people. And I know there's tons of groups that do help with that. Mm -hmm. But like anybody who notices that a young person might be struggling with these things, like to try and help them get the help that they need, because I know what it was like to try and figure out how to communicate to somebody how I was feeling. Even right. to my mom, and we were super close. Well, it's like if you, you're not that it's a deep dark secret, but it kind of is like your your deep uh, rooted feelings, and you you haven't told anyone that it is a secret yet. But then having people know that, and then it not being maybe accepted or right. being treated differently, it's like that. It's exposing being your most vulnerable with people, right. So. And I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that some of these kids come out to their parents and their parents tell them to get out of their house. Mm-hmm. They're on their own. Um, and some kids' parents send them to conversion therapy. How prevalent is that? Do you know? Like, I, is it just in small towns of the world or is it very prevalent and I'm just naive to the situation? I mean, I didn't really start, it's funny, because I didn't even really think about it until I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race, because there's been several contestants on there who have mm-hmm. talked about their parents sending them. Oh, my gosh. Conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. And 
most of them came from fairly religious backgrounds, you know, um, but listening to them talk about it, it was not a great experience for them. I mean, I don't know that it's really widely, a widely spread thing, but mm-hmm. I think it happens more often than any of us realize. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's abuse. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just can't. Well, yeah, telling somebody that they're, they can't be who they are is horrifying to me. Like, that's one thing that I've really, like, I have to give, I'm going to give shout out to my mom. Mm Because my mom is, she'll be 82 this year. So, Mm -hmm. she grew up, like, you know, in time where there was still segregation and... People were not out, and we didn't talk about... You didn't even talk about having sex, let alone right. having sex with someone other than the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. So I have to give her props, because after... She has always been a huge advocate for our community. Like, you know, when she hears of someone's parents saying they don't want anything to do with their child because they're gay, like, she's like, that is your child. And yes. you love that child no matter what. That's your like, family. That is your baby. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what they do. You love them. You know, and she tells people all the time, my daughter's gay. You know, if you don't like it, <laughs> that's just stuff. <laughs> like, she's basically just like, I mean, when we were, when I was in college, I had just come out not very long ago. And she was in a ceramics class with me, a sculpture class. She decided to take it too. And we, at the end of the term, had to present one of our pieces and explain why we made it and this Mm -hmm. and that. So my mom makes this statue of two female angels and they're touching hands. Mm -hmm. They're facing each other and they're touching hands. And so she goes up there with her sculpture and she puts it down on the table and I'm standing at the back of the the class and everybody is standing there. And she says, I made this uh, statue to show how beautiful uh, this, how beautiful life is. My daughter is a lesbian and I just wanted everyone to know how beautiful the her she is and how you know all these things and I'm like standing in the back of the room of course everyone turns to look at me (laughs) and I'm like oh my god like I can't even believe this is happening right now like she's outing me to everyone in this classroom because she's proud bless her heart I know and she has to tell everybody you know you know my daughter's gay, right? Like every <laughs> if someone makes a comment, she's quick to correct them. So I have to give her like mad props for being able to do that because you know, she it was something that was very not in her wheelhouse until mm-hmm. I came. So mm-hmm. I am so thankful for my mother. I feel so terrible for people whose families just cannot you know and luckily Chris's family is the same way 
her family is very accepting. Um, so we had it easy, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping that 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 people in our community that do lose their families figure out fairly quickly that family is what you make. Right. You know, that there will be people there that will support you and help you. Even if your parents can't wrap their head around it, there will be somebody who will help you. Yeah. And I'm hoping that as we move forward, like everybody can just learn that we can all love each other and that it doesn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. Very true. Do you know? Same uh, on the inside. Everybody's insides are all the same color. That's very true. And look exactly alike. Do you know of any um, organizations or websites you might want to name drop for people looking for any sort of connection or anything, any help, resources? Um, The Equality Coalition um, is a good one. They do a lot of a lot of their donations and things like they were, they um, played a huge role in getting the federal um, marriage law passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like there's PFLAG is a great um, organization. They're actually a support group for um PFLAG is a group that is for, it's kind of like a support group like they have for AA, like they have support groups that are for the families of alcoholics. PFLAG is kind of that. So they do um, like support for the family, support for parents, brothers, sisters, anybody who needs help, like understanding, things like that. Yeah. The human rights campaign does a lot, a lot of good work. Um, So I would say, you know, if you need any resources, anything that way, human rights campaign is really good place to start. Um, Because they, not only for the LBGTQ community, but just equal rights for everybody. So that's one that. Chris and I personally donate to. So if you have an extra dollar or two, that's a good place to spend <laughs> it. Or for an animal shelter, either one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on and for being so open and for sharing. It was wonderful. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And I hope you get something out of it. Like I rambled a lot, but. No, you're fine. I'm going to stop recording you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. It would mean so much if you would subscribe and leave a rating for the podcast. You can find me at Midwest Jess Official on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at MidwestJessOfficial.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day. Mm